my own research for the past few years has been mainly on urban development, infrastructure partnerships, um, and I, uh, you know, very early on in this research, I realized that a lot of the work that is being done, not just in Toronto but around the world, is not actually being done by the city, as in city council that's, you know, meeting, or by the province or by the state, but it's being done by public agencies and public corporations. Um, so I want to talk about that because I think that's background to understand what kind of being Waterfront Toronto is. Um, and also it may be helpful to you when you go to those endless community consultation meetings. Uh, I was one, I was at one last night for the Unilever site and you know, um, the more you know about agencies like Metrolinks or Waterfront Toronto or whatever, and there's some things that they have in common as corporate legal entities, the more you know about them, and the more you realize they're not the same as the city, the more informed you will be. Um, because the agreement that we're talking about here uh, uh, is not between the city and anybody, it's between Waterfront Toronto. Uh, and um, you know the Google entity. So you know we have to understand what kind of a beast that is. Um, now, um, as Christina mentioned, and as most of you probably know, Waterfront Toronto is unusual because it was formed by three levels of government. Uh, that doesn't happen very often, but it's structured very much the same as all of the other zillion agencies, boards, commissions, and public corporations that do now most of the work that used to be done by ministries of public works. Remember that? Mark and I probably are the only people old enough to remember when there were such things. Now we have Infrastructure Ontario, which is an agency, and it's a provincial agency, but it's arm's length. It is not the government. It is an agency created by government that hire private sector people at private sector salaries, and they have some accountability, but they're arm's length. Um, so a lot of people in critical urban studies say, oh, it's because of neoliberalism. We have all the creation of all these sort of quasi-corporate public agencies. But actually, that's not true. Um, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey is one of the most powerful and important of these public agencies, and it's almost 100 years old. And uh, it's both a developer, a transportation provider, uh, and a property owner, and on land that the Port Authority controls, City of New York zoning laws do not apply. They're a legal island. That's just a little factoid that I think will get you, you know, thinking about why it's important to differentiate the city from various public corporations. Boring as this topic might seem, but uh, anyway, um, this sector, the whole sector of agencies, boards, and commissions, ABCs, as they're known in kind of Ontario administrative law, in the UK they used to be called quangos, which was like quasi non-government something. Anyway, nobody uses the word quango now. Um, there's no stability in naming them, which means that people often don't recognize the similarities, but just because they're called a quango in one place and a board or a commission somewhere else doesn't mean that they aren't <coughs> legally, structurally the same. 
Now this sector is fraught with accountability problems, or maybe, um, you know, to put it maybe more positively, accountability risks. And you can mitigate those risks, but you've got to know what they are. And I have serious concerns about how Waterfront Toronto has been managing this whole process. Um, um, in, you know, in terms of realizing what the accountability risks are. Um, accountability also is not the same as transparency. I'm going to talk about transparency in a minute because I'm going to make a call for Waterfront Toronto to release the actual agreement um, with the Google company because I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be released and if they want to redact something in it, they should say why. Uh, so I'm going to talk about transparency, but accountability is not just transparency. The University of Toronto posts the minutes of governing council online, and they're extremely lengthy, verbose minutes that go on and on. There's transparency, but trust me, I've read governing council minutes for the last five years. I wouldn't wish this on anybody. <laughs> there is very little, if any, accountability. The volume of verbosity and the length of the document that you get bears no relationship to the useful information. Infrastructure <laughs> Ontario project agreements, I, I spent, you know, a couple of summers ago, I spent almost the whole summer with the help of two lawyers and an economist reading Infrastructure Ontario project agreements because in the name of transparency they post them online, though they redact the financials. Well, it turned out it was totally useless which actually my lawyer friends kind of intimated. They said, you know, I don't think you're going to find anything that interesting. But I thought, oh, great, transparency. Here's the actual agreement. Well, no, because they don't tell you how the project was chosen. Why is there a hospital in Mississauga and not in Brampton? Who knows? Who decided what the budget is going to be for that hospital? Who knows? That's not part of the agreement. So all the information that would be useful from the point of view of democratic accountability is not contained in the agreement. So transparency doesn't necessarily get you accountability, but at least it's a start because if you don't have any transparency, you you know can't even start to ask questions. Um, the last general point I'll make before I make my three questions to Waterfront Toronto. Um, in places like Infrastructure Ontario or Metrolinks or um, you know, other sort of, um, you know, corporations that may be wholly owned by the city or the province, but that are distinct separate corporations with their own board. They usually have some accountability policy, but usually what that means is the kind of accountability that corporate boards of directors are subject to. Right? So if you work for a private company, you're accountable, of course, to your boss and then ultimately to the shareholders. And there's all of these processes so that the board of directors don't run away with the money or whatever. So Infrastructure Ontario, for instance, has a governance section on their website, but it's all about corporate governance. And, you know, frankly, I'm not too worried about massive corruption. So all the measures they have in place, okay, they're fine, but they don't do anything for democratic accountability, accountability to the people. And, you know, talking about the people has fallen out of fashion except among the right wing, but it's accountability to the people that is actually important here. 
especially when we have an agency like Waterfront Toronto that's accountable to three levels of government, which in some ways is like really fudging the issue and you don't really know who's the boss or anything like that, whereas with the TTC, you know it's the city that is responsible for that um, you know, corporation. So, um, to my three points. The first thing is that I mentioned that I spent a lot of time, uh, well, wasting a lot of time reading infrastructure uh, project agreements. Also, I looked at Partnerships BC, another big uh, infrastructure agency that has a different kind of practice in terms of what information they post online. Um, and I've, you know, having read a heck of a lot more project agreements than just about any academic I know, because they always say, oh, it's only the practicing lawyers who would ever read that. Uh, uh, I cannot see any reason why the agreement, of which we only have a summary produced by Waterfront Trauma itself, which is a party to the agreement, I don't see why the agreement wouldn't be public. It is not an actual project with an actual budget, right? It's not like a payoff a contract for a hospital, in which case, yeah, you might have to redact the financials. It might be commercial secrecy. This, as various people mentioned, Christina and John, it's just an agreement to let Google start doing some planning. So I can't see, I mean, there's no borrowing money, you know, the kind of thing that's always in the project agreements. So is there some financial commercial secret? I don't know. But I'd want to be persuaded that there's some reason for it. And if they want to not share it, well, they can redact it. And then you know what it is you're not getting. Because at this point, we're in this situation that we don't know what we don't know. Right? We get this nice, I mean, Waterfront Toronto has, you know, professional writers and excellent graphics. And they, you know, they produce these reports that have a lot of information that look really nice. But this is too important for me to just trust them. Yes, it is true, of course, as John was saying, in the past they've done a lot of good work, they have a lot of goodwill in the community. I'm not accusing them of anything, but it's too important for us to just go on trust. Now, another potential reason why they might want to keep the agreement secret is maybe Google, you know, inadvertently put in something that should have been protected by a patent and somehow they let some invention in. Well, it's hard to imagine that Google would do that. And besides, Mark uh, eloquently persuaded us. There's actually nothing new in these ideas. In any case, they're not going to give you the actual computer code in the agreement with Waterfront Toronto. So like, what is the secret? Um, so my pitch, um, and I'm sure I'll start getting uh, tweets and emails uh, in the next 20 minutes, I guess, just like you've been getting. But my pitch is that city council should demand that that agreement should be made public. Uh, probably, I was talking to a friend who's an administrator, her, she said, oh, you could put in a freedom of information request. But I don't think it should be up to me, but it, it's not my personal thing. It, it should be public. Um, and I think it's worrying that, you know, the four-page summary goes out there and people take it and nobody was even demanding for it to be public. We've gotten so used to the idea that there must be some commercial secret 
um, and we defer to the corporate idea of what should should be secret. And it's up to Waterfront Toronto. I mean, Google is not going to make things public. Why should they? They're a private for-profit corporation. They don't owe me anything. Um, now, the second point that I wanted to make, basically just reiterate some, a point that John made. So I'll just make it again because it's so important. He talked about the ambiguity between, um, well, it's not, it's not, um, you know, between. He talked about how there's Keyside, which is a smaller area, which sounds like the city as well as Waterfront Toronto is happy for somebody to develop, and if somebody wants to do an experimental, you know, community there with self-driven vehicles or whatever, you know, I don't think there would be a lot of objections. Um, but Keyside is you know, what, 10 acres? Oh. It's 12 acres. But in the request for proposals, I went back and read it, and I hadn't read it back in March, because who reads requests for proposals, you know, in their spare time? But I read John's <laughs> article. Who will read project agreements in their stores. <laughs> that's true. That was only for research, and I'll never do it again. <laughs> it was really a waste of time. But John pointed me to this, so I went and read the request for proposals, which is posted on the Waterfront Toronto website. And the request for proposals says that Keyside, which is that small square of land, quote, will be a pilot for the over 800 acres that is the port maps. Now, you know, we have at least one lawyer in the room who might illuminate the meaning of the term will. So I was thinking about it and I thought, well, I could say my front yard is nicely landscaped with indigenous plants or something, and it will be a pilot for a botanical garden. Okay, well, I could say it, but will be? So that really worries me because it's one thing for Google to think, oh, well, we want the portlands. Of course, they want to be the monarch of all that they survey. Well, you know, you can't blame them. That's the nature of the kind of, you know, corporation. But a request for proposals from Waterfront Toronto that says this is a pilot for the whole portlands, that really worries me. Um, especially since a month ago, City Council approved a plan for the port vents that John mentioned, which, you know, might or might not be the best thing in the book. It, you know, probably isn't. Um, but it's been in the works for years. I live in the area. I, I live just up the street from uh, uh, there. And um, I've gone to God knows how many consultation meetings for years about the port vents. So it's been in the works for years, and now they, there's a plan. Okay. So city council is approving a plan that never mentions Google, never mentions anything like that. Well, what the heck's going on? So my question is, who is going to plan the port lands? And I do mean planning, not just building, because building is always done by private um, you know, companies. Who is going to plan the port lands? And who is going to decide who is going to do the planning? And my final kind of PS here is that Waterfront Toronto has always been very good at you know, community consultations. But it's one thing to have community consultations when you've got a plan for a park, and then you go to the community and say, I've gone to many of those consultations, and they'll say, oh, do you think this should be round or square? Or do you think we should have swings here? Or do you think we should have a bicycle path? 
the, I mean, you know, the park is going to be, and then they do a, a, a consultation. Well, that's fine. But this is too important, and it's a different type of project. It's, if it happens, it's going to be some experiment of quite unprecedented nature. So if they go to the community and they say, oh, would you like more bicycles or more parking spaces, which is, I mean, and this isn't just water from Toronto. I mean, city planners do this all the time, right? It's in the nature of planning consultations that they come to you with a plan that a private developer has articulated, and then they say, oh, do you like this? Maybe we should say shave off one story. How many people here have been to community consultations planning? Lots of people. So you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? So, you know, community consultations to tweak something is not the same thing as democratic accountability before the fact. And having diverse communities represented in deciding who decides. I'll leave it at that. Okay, thank you very much for that.